What's going on, guys? Welcome back to your favorite tech podcast, Appalachia Weekly, episode 45. Today, I'm joined by my new permanent co-host, Will Sigmund, and Creative Pro, and one of my best friends, George Elias. How are you guys doing? Hey, man. Uh, I like the sound of that permanent. That's uh, pretty like exciting. That? I do. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to continue to be here. Yeah, you're you're a permanent part, not only of the, just the show, but the Appalosophy team in general. We're we're thrilled to have you on board at Red yes, Fruit sir. Media. I'm very excited. Creative professional. I think you were talking about Philip Bloom or something, and I don't know. Maybe I just came in. <laughs> I just came in as a stand-in. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about, but it's an honor to be back on the show, man. It's good to see you again, George. To start things off for today's show, I have a, a silly story. It's kind of silly, but not so silly that I'd like to share with you guys. It's actually, it's on the agenda as Brahms' stupid AirTag story. I ordered a bunch of AirTags accessories. Will did as well. Difference with my accessories is I, I get, okay, I get the AirTags, the four pack. I'm super jazzed. I have the, the product red leather AirTag keychain. Makes its way to my doorstep. I'm super stoked. I unbox it all. Throw the AirTag in the, in the key ring sleeve. I'm super stoked. I'm all jazzed, making sure the... The Apple logo is all centered. I'm fanboying out. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is looking dope. I take a few photos. Then I'm like, where are my keys? Mm. So so you're telling I, me that you lost your keys before you had a chance to put on the AirTags? Yeah. <laughs> I lost I lost the thing before I could attach it to the thing that would keep me from losing it. That's like learning how to change a tire before you get your driver's license. <laughs> Which I guess you should. You should know that before you say. do driver's license, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should learn to put stuff back where it belongs before buying an AirTag. Just, just, just think of Mike Wazowski. Put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. Now, George, you also have a fun story to share with us today. You've been time traveling a little bit. Yes, I have been time traveling a little bit. Uh, instead of the TARDIS, it's it's instead of it being a phone booth, it's a porta potty. It's known as the <laughs> it's known as the TARDIS. Um, so. Brom situation where he didn't he misplaced his keys before he put the air tags on. That's kind of a similar situation to where I am in right now because my server, Big Weld server, if you've seen the movie Robots, that's what I named it after. It has been hacked. It was hacked. Ba- it was a large scale ransomware attack based on QNAP servers. I don't hold it against the company simply because anyone can be hacked. Anyone can be anyone can be thrown under the bus when it comes to hacking. Look at you know even. Apple was hacked recently. The The hackers, they got into my server at one o'clock in the morning and I was awake at one o'clock in the morning because I was going to start editing and I was scared out of my wits when I yeah, saw- Yeah, that'll wake you up, right? Oh yeah, no, dude. I, I, I told Brom I made a horse killer because I'm very low tolerance to coffee and I wanted to finish all my projects. So it's two short, it's two short shots of espresso followed by two long shots of espresso and nothing Ooh. else. And I was ready to, I was ready to like get work done. And then I just see all your files have been encrypted. All your files have been encrypted. Uh, Please visit to Tor browser and down and enter this client ID so that we, and pay us 0.01 Bitcoin in order to get your unique encryption key back. So at this point, you're cracking your knuckles. You're all caffeined up. You're ready to work. 
Yeah, your hands because, are shaking. Yeah. You feel like you <laughs> could probably turn yourself into like digitization and go through the wires basically to get yeah. these guys. Basically, yeah. I was I was about to go full buzz shock and uh or bioshock or something, I don't know, and like jump into the cables and go to wherever these people like live, probably in like I, I like to think that they're just like living in like a, a sewer with an internet connection because that's the only <laughs> that that's like the that's only type you. Yeah, that's the only way I can rationalize that some people would do this is that they live in a sewer and their life sucks. So they fortunately, because I had some of the wherewithal with me, I'm going to make it super simple. Like the procedure that I did, I disconnected the server from the network and I isolated it in its own like own box. And I forced it to shut down all of the processes that could have been encrypting my files. So fortunately... What that means is they didn't get all my files. They only got, and I'm looking at the damage report right now, they only got about 700 gigabytes of total files out of 50 terabytes. Only. only, but think about this. My server's 50 terabytes. So, like, they only they only got, like, the equivalent of, what's that, 5%, I think? Yeah, yeah. That's no, a no. that's a tremendous amount yeah. of, of data. Or yeah, the, the, the data, yeah, and everything is, oh my gosh, it's a lot of work. Fortunately... And I am going to preach this from the high mountains like Moses when he came down with the tablets. Set up Time Machine on your system and just buy as many cheap hard drives as you possibly can. And just have them all work as Time Machine backups. Because quite frankly, you never know when you need them. And I've already been able to restore all of my old baby photos, all of my old family photos, photos of my grandmother who are no longer with us, all of my clients. All of my client work is still safe, which makes me look incredible when I go reach out to a client. And so far, I still have another, I think I still have another, like, let me look at the file report. I still have another, like, 150,000 files to sort through, but I should probably be finished with that by the end of today. So please, again, to, to sum up my whole situation, if you have a Mac, if you have a Windows computer, sell it and get a Mac and just get Time Machine installed on it, because that right there will save your skin more times than I'd like to admit. What is it? There's a story actually, and I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but here's, if you want to talk about like a story of backups and everything, Toy Story 2 could have been- Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've heard about this, right? Toy Story 2, um, the only reason the movie exists today is because one of the animators made a backup so that she could work on it over the weekend. And apparently all of the computers at Pixar crashed and it lost the whole movie. If they didn't have that backup, we would not have Toy Story 2. Well, when it comes to backups, you've got a friend in me, George. Aw, yay. Do you um, do you back up anything on the cloud or is it all local? So I back up. I do have an account with Backblaze. You know, I'm not sponsored by them. I'm just talking about them as a, you know, as some. I have an account with Backblaze and I absolutely love using their service. However, the problem is that my internet connection is so slow that it literally takes me a week to upload a terabyte. So 50 weeks, 50 terabytes or 50 terabytes is 50 weeks. It takes me a year to back up my whole server. At least once. I found proof that I knew Brom back in high school and he was wearing and he was using the product red iPhone 7. Please send me that photo. Absolutely. Maybe. I don't know. Brom, do I have permission? <laughs> you, you, you not only have a photo of me in high school with the product red iPhone 7, but you have my iconic green outfit with the green skinny jeans, the quarter sleeve Hawaiian themed 
uh, green shirt. And the, I think it's got a green beanie too, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm even in the photo and I'm in my signature polo with my, with my uh, luscious hair slicked back because I don't know what else to do with it. <laughs> Is that the polo you're wearing now, George? Uh, no, unfortunately. People never that... change. Yeah, That's pe- the story. Yeah, we really don't change. We story really of the don't day. Change. I, 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 I picked a style in 2015 that worked, and I just ran with it for six years. Yeah, you know what phone I had in high school? Uh, Blackberry. I, did. I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not that guy. No, I, I didn't have one until uh, my second year, and I got a, a Motorola uh, StarTac flip phone. Ooh, if that dates fancy. me uh, too much. And then by the time... What was the battery life? It was good. I mean, I don't remember having an issue with it. And uh, and then I got the Razer. I thought I was really awesome at that point. <laughs> and then uh, I think by the time I was a freshman in college, I got the Motorola Q. And believe it or not, you wouldn't believe this about me right this today. I thought the iPhone was overrated. Oh. And I know. I know. I, well, I'm mad at my old self. And I was like, oh, man, the Motorola Q is so awesome. You can get on Google on your data plan and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and then I started working at the store, and I realized I was deadly wrong about not just the iPhone. But, well, I mean, they were really the only product that I, I kind of disparaged but at the time. But I, I, I had iPhones say, after that. If you that, hadn't come since. to your senses, Motorola-osophy is still hiring, I think. Oh man, I know, I know. But I've had every single iPhone since the original, if that makes up for it in any way. <laughs> we'll see, Will. We'll see. I don't I don't I don't think you have as much street cred as me or, or George. Probably not. Definitely not. I'm not iPhone seven red edition. You're not as iconic as this guy right here. I mean not red edition. Hey, I'm running an iPhone eight plus in twenty twenty one and Brom gets on my go. case for it. Uh, an eight plus is not that bad. Yeah, I know exactly, Brom. Okay, I haven't even bullied you. About me and George at three in the morning arguing about. Okay, no, it's usually port. it's it's usually me at three in the morning. You're probably asleep, and then you just read my text at like five. Well, speaking of arguments between you two, that kind of leads us to our first story here, which is uh, about the Apple Watch. And and George, I understand that. Uh, Brom has been pushing you to get one for a while. Now, this new one is expected and rumored to get blood pressure monitoring, blood glucose monitoring, and blood alcohol monitoring. Is that something that would put you over the edge? I don't think I would need a blood alcohol monitor, and that's not necessarily why I would be buying an Apple Watch. So for me, I was uh, I was actually going to mention this to Brom uh, at a later date, but I'll mention it now. I'm looking to get back into open water swimming. And mm-hmm. oddly enough, the a GPS in open water swimming is actually very helpful. Um, you wouldn't think about it until you realize that if you're, you know, um, 500 meters offshore and you're going north and you're trying to figure out, wait, how far did I swim up? And am I going oh, into yeah. shark territory? Um, yeah, you have to oh, you have gosh. to make sure that you have a, a tracking device on you. So that's why I'm looking into the that's why I'm looking into the Apple Watches. Uh, I. Man, I have already, I have an M1 MacBook Pro before I even have an Apple Watch at this point. So like, I'm just like, yeah, I need to get one, but also it doesn't render video. So why should I buy it? I mean, yeah, you're a creative pro. You have your priorities. I understand that. 
Well, here's the thing. I, I want, if, if Apple's going to go forward with blood alcohol measurements on the Apple Watch, I want implementations that, that actually matter. Like, don't let me, don't allow me to call my ex-girlfriend if it gets above a certain level. Oh my gosh. You know, just block the call. Uh, I mean, just, maybe with iOS 17 or something <laughs> like that. You know, matter. maybe like a, a, a do not disturb, you know how they have do not disturb while driving? Yes. Do not disturb while drinking. And it works with CarPlay, so your car won't start uh, if that's you're actually, zooted above a certain level. Actually, I, that's actually really smart. That's actually really smart. Um, now, I, speaking of uh, do not disturb modes, just a side tangent. I can't remember if you guys, uh, or if we've talked about it or if it's been talked about on the show, but that is one of the rumored features in iOS 15, You know, aside from Apple Watch features, but the ability to kind of set the mode that you're in like work mode or you're out to dinner or you might be in a movie or whatever, you know, just different types of do not disturb. Oh, it's like and this is something. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this is an idea that I just want to state my claim that I had back all the way in my other Apple podcast show slice. I think I probably uh, said that this would be a good idea, like an iOS 10 or something like that. I just wanted to be known on this one as well. That I, I totally called it a while ago, uh, but I think that honestly, that's an impetus of a really like really interesting safety measure, as you just mentioned, and even like with the with the iPhone um, key option becoming more the and more key, prevalent yeah. as well. Yeah, so that that really could be a thing um, for me as far as the Apple Watch uh, inf- or news story here goes. I do suffer from high blood pressure and it's not always the easiest thing to remember to check mine. And so if I had, if I had it on my watch, I, it would honestly be a absolute, a game changer. And I know there's a lot of Americans uh, that also either deal with it um, or don't know that they're dealing with it. And they, they, you know, they could or should be. And as far as blood glucose goes, you know, I, I've had, uh, I have a few friends that have diabetes, you know, type one and type two. And I think that's an interesting point, Will, because when they add, when Apple adds these sensors, these health sensors to the Apple Watch, a lot of the people that come forward saying that it saved their lives or whatever it may be, it, a lot of people. They didn't buy it for that purpose. They didn't, yeah, they didn't buy it for that purpose. And they find out that they have some underlying health condition. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very fascinating, and 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 w- when we're talking about things like you know heart monitoring, that's great. You know, it's an easy thing to do. It's one of the first things they did, and but it's been around for a while. We're getting to the point now where we're talking about breakthroughs that haven't even really been something that has been available to the masses in a simple you know singular device before, and much less one that's portable. So. I think it's very exciting. If that wasn't enough for you, George, we have yet another amazing Apple Watch story. For this story, we're we're checking in on Lavinia Maunga. She got the surprise of a lifetime while flying from Salt Lake City to Honolulu. She was in an airplane, and mid-flight, she didn't know she was pregnant, but she had a baby. She had a baby mid-flight, and fortunately, there were three doctors on this flight that, that hopped into action. Um, they microwave. This is even crazier. There were three neonatal specialists. Yes. And a doctor. 
Yes. So I think, and maybe it was a total of either three or four. This is, this is too much of a coincidence to be real. This is too much of a coincidence to be real. Like, I mean, I know it's real, but like, it's too much of a coincidence. It's it's truly a phenomenal story. Uh, one of the doctors microwaved water bottles to keep the baby warm, created a baby warmer uh, using that. And he also uh, took off his Apple Watch and wrapped it around the baby to monitor the baby's heart rate for three hours before the plane landed. Isn't that cool? I had a shower thought when I read this story. Actually, uh, my wife shared the story with me. And then, I, I mean, you hadn't heard about it until I told you, did you? It was like it was on the main like media news. Yes. Anyway, I was thinking, okay, because this is so rare, when a baby's born on a plane like that, where do they say the baby was born? I believe it would fall under maritime law because the ships, like cruise liners, like Royal Caribbean, um, mm-hmm. they fly flags of different countries for tax purposes or whatnot. But if mm-hmm. you fly, if you're outside of the jurisdiction of your country, let's say you're flying out outside of their waters and you're in international waters, whatever flag you fly is the country that you have to report to. So if it's if it's an American company and they but the flag is, let's say, Panamanian or the flag is Filipino, then they have to report to the Filipino country to the Philippines or they have to Panama with airplanes. I believe because they are privately owned, it goes under the jurisdiction of the uh, per, of the company who owns the planes. But I'm not 100 percent certain on that. But I almost think it would fall under a similar jurisdiction as such. Why do I know this? Why do I know? Like, this? Yeah, like a like a side interest of yours, George. I, I feel like you watch like YouTube videos at night about this. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. I, I, why do I know this? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, one of my many side uh, quests and knowledge. This episode of Appalachia Weekly is brought to you by Paperlike, the original matte screen protector for real creators and doers like myself. Paperlike has transformed the way I design content using Apple Pencil and iPad Pro. Its precision textured finish gives me more nuanced control over Apple Pencil, and it enables me to work whenever and wherever I want with minimal distraction. Paperlike's unique texture allows me to work in near-direct sunlight with minimal glare while also serving to reduce the appearance of fingerprints on my screen. This product has made me fall in love with iPad all over again, all while breathing new life in my creative projects. I know you guys are going to love Paperlike, and that's why we have a special link for you down in the show notes. That's http colon forward slash paper dot me forward slash Appleosophy. Go ahead and grab that link down in the show notes below. Get Paperlike for yourself. I know you guys are going to love Paperlike. I'm absolutely thrilled with mine. And I'm so excited that I get to promote it here on the show. Now, our next story of the day, we're zeroing in on Mr. Liu from Unbox Therapy. And he has what appears to be a mock-up, a first look. We're not really sure at an iPhone 13 Pro Max. Now, he wasn't really clear on the source where he obtained this, but it's, it's a model. It's a mock-up it's a prototype. He says the weight is very similar to an iPhone 12 Pro Max. He took it out. He looked at it. He was showing off some of the things. He noted uh, distinctly a smaller notch, and the camera module uh, was notably larger as well. Will, what's your take on this? In what context? Let's start off with the notch, because in my opinion... My thing with the notch, would I love for there not to be a notch? I think I probably would, if I'm being honest with you, but... Does the notch bother me that it's there? No. I don't really think about it. 
Uh, it's not something that is like in my way, but that doesn't just because I always have the philosophy of just because something's not bothering you doesn't mean that it can't be better. And so, um, exactly. You know, that's, so that's kind of my, my I think, philosophy on it. I think we all can agree. We want Apple to trend toward a phone that doesn't have a notch at all. But we see things with face ID when Apple marched on stage and showed us face ID for the first time back in 2017 with the iPhone 10, one of the numbers they gave was they said it was a one in 1 million chance that somebody would be able to pass on, pass on their face as yours and get into your phone. That was up from the one in 50,000 chance that it would be for face ID, that it could be compromised, so to speak. So this unparalleled level of security that you see with face ID is something that I'm personally used to at this point, And I have faith in it and I'm not willing to abandon, abandon that anytime soon. And while it seems like Apple isn't there yet, as far as miniaturizing the face ID technology, it looks like if you take a look at this, this mock-up that Lou has, the way they've been able to shrink the notch in this model supposedly is by bringing the earpiece, which has the speaker and the microphone and kind of shoving that up above things like the proximity sensor, the flood illuminator, infrared camera, dot projector, all those sophisticated sensors that are in the notch, just sort of shoving the speaker above that, the whole earpiece. And it's sort of integrated into the bezel on the top, which I think is smart. This results in a notch that's still just as deep but not as wide. Is that? Do you think that's the right way to go? I don't think there's a right or a wrong. If the goal is no notch, which I think universally most people would agree that it is, and there is progression toward that in whatever way, then I would say that it's a right move. You know, I have to say the only time that the notch is bothering me is when I go full screen on a video, whether that be in YouTube or... Uh, you know, watching a movie, you know, whatever it may be. That's the only time that the notch bothers me. And it doesn't even bother me that much. It's just a subtle, yeah, obstruction of my content. Does it bother you constantly, Will? Or is it just because to me, it fades away when I'm using normal apps and portrait, it kind of just sort of fades into the status bar. It it faded away for me. Like I got the iPhone 10. It faded away for me in probably 15 minutes. And I haven't thought about it since. And I think then. most people. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what you all are talking about when it comes to a notch. Like I just watch my videos in full screen. Like I don't know what you're talking about. George is is living it up on his on his iPhone eight plus. Two hundred and fifty six gigs of storage, man. I am not giving that up. Never cheap out on storage. One of my best friends told me that. Never cheap out on storage. Why? I used to say the opposite when I worked at the Apple store. Because you're all about external storage and ugly workflows, Will. Your desk looks I like mean, a mask. If I'm, if, oh no, 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 no. If anyone's about ugly like workflows and external storage, it's me. We, I just talked about how my server—it's literally just a bunch of hard drives duct taped together and then finagled in in macOS. It's not necessarily about that. It's about um, able to store your stuff and keep a backup of it there as well. Like I will edit videos on my phone and send it out to clients as temporary cuts. So sometimes you kind of need that storage. External storage is awesome. However, on the iPhones, you need to have a specific adapter to go from Lightning to to USB-A because Apple doesn't want to put in USB-C. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I don't know what just came over me there. 
it is definitely something that does that does get utilized full like i use the full 256 gigs i do clean it out and then i fill it up and then clean it out but that's just you know how i use it now before you say what you're gonna say Bob, i will just say if somebody like george had come in and explained that which i would have position permission and probed to make sure that i knew what you were doing with it then i would say that wouldn't be out of the question because you have a legitimate reason for doing that, right? The average person is not a creative pro sending uh, rough cuts to their clients, however. And therefore, typically, if you consider the, the benefits of cloud storage and the conveniences of it, it helps make things not so ugly as opposed to more ugly. Thank you. Well, much. and I want to make it clear, me and, me and Will kid with each other. And I love Will. I was on the phone with Will yesterday and Will told me, he goes, I have to tell you something. I said, what is it? He said, I've realized that when it comes to Apple, I'm more of an Apple hacker. Is that what you said? And you're more of an Apple purist. Tinkerer. Tinkerer. But as far as like what I meant, what I meant by that is, you know, you like the Apple, you know, maybe like the, the default apps and you wouldn't really want to look at a third party app to duplicate the experience of whatever because it takes away from the Apple experience as opposed to me where I'm changing apps that do the same thing maybe four times a week. And that's just my personality. I'm curious and not everybody, certainly not everybody either has the patience or the desire to do those kind of things. And most people, they reject change because it really is human nature to do that. And as it as it comes to to apps, I'm I am a lot of times I'm like I'm having to redo the same thing in different apps to to create the uh, a slightly tweaked experience with different features. But I do love to do it. Now our next story comes from Koming Chi. I just learned we were pronouncing that wrong all along. There was a Taiwanese viewer that sent in a video to John Prosser, whom I'm sure you guys are all familiar with. And he corrected him. He said it's actually pronounced Ko Ming Chi. So we want to make sure that we're pronouncing that correctly, correctly, but in the right order. A lot of people say Ming Chi Ko, it's Ko Ming Chi. And Ko Ming Chi has a new leak, so to speak, for us. He, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the best track record, mainly to do with timing. Feature-wise, he's good at predicting features, but he's he's never really spot on with timing. But he's saying that by 2023, we could see an eight-inch foldable iPhone. I need to be sold on foldable phones. I believe that I can be. I'm not going to be a curmudgeon and say, oh, foldable phones, because I, I, you know, I've been in that position in the past and I'm, I've learned to say never say never. Yes. Uh, but it, it's definitely something that Apple is going to have to sell me on. Just as far as like an eight inch form factor, it's kind of like an iPad mini in your pocket, right? And if you could, if you could fold that up into, you know, something that only takes up the surface area of a, of a wallet. I'm I'm totally in on that. Like I said, or like Will said, stated, I don't. I'm not particularly sold on the implementations thus far, uh, chiefly on the Android side, um, as far as durability goes. I love the fact that my iPhone 12 Pro Max is built like a tank that I don't have to worry when I drop it. I don't have to worry about, you know, when I scroll, pressing down too hard and scratching the plastic cover on the screen, or you know, whatever it may be. Um, I I like having a phone that's that's built to last and and i love the durability aspect so if they can sell me on that i think that's the chief value proposition from my point of view 
So I actually have a um, an argument and a general consensus and idea when it comes to productivity, and I want to get your guys' opinions on this. Mm-hmm. So when I had my iPhone 4S and I would like try to send people photos or show people photos on the 4S, you know, it's a three and a half inch screen. It's not not really that big. It was meant to be used with one hand, which is really nice. Um, but then I got the 6S Plus 2016, and I absolutely loved it. Large screen. I could show it to people. I could say, hey, take a look. Here are my photos. Hire me to do your work or hire me to do your videos and all that stuff. And, you know, going from a 13-inch laptop to a 27-inch iMac, um, something similar happened in that regard is I was able to I was able to increase my productivity and even when I replaced my 13 inch laptop with a 15 inch uh, MacBook Pro, you know I noticed that my productivity went up. I'm not saying that the larger the screen, the better the productivity, but I just feel like when you have more real estate, you can actually get more stuff done with it. And you know if it is truly an eight inch screen that I can take with me everywhere, I mean shoot, that's as large as some of my like studio monitors. I'll take it. Like that, if I can get editing done on a phone like that, that's incredible. I, I think it's it's interesting because obviously we could picture something like this eating up the whole you know market, the whole demographic for the the iPad Mini. But how many people really are running out and buying an iPad Mini? iPad Mini fits a really small niche, and I mean in the grand scheme of things, if you look at the whole iPad slash tablet market. I think there would still be a need, a place in my workflow for a full-size iPad to get actual work done. I don't know. I mean, unless they added, I mean, M1 or something comparable uh, with multitasking features. And possibly Thunderbolt. Possibly, because everything, all roads lead back to I.O., with George. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, no, (laughs) no, and and I, I know I'm... Yeah, that that is genuinely important. Like, like um, I keep alluding to I keep alluding to this M1 MacBook Pro. Um, I couldn't use it if I didn't already have a Thunderbolt three dock um, to add all my peripherals with it. I love it. Mm-hmm. Other than I love it for everything else other than that. Um, and yeah, I know the newer ones are the, 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 they're rumored to have HDMI and USB. Are they rumored to have USB A or is it just HDMI and SD card? The new, the new one, they're rumored to have both uh, HDMI and SD card slot. Those are both and, being and USB. Will it also resurrect USB A or no? No. No. Okay, but okay. So I just, I just wanted to clarify my own notes and everything. But yeah, I don't want to have to reach for. Um, uh, excuse me. The fact that it has Thunderbolt in it makes it a usable machine because I can go to an external dock and add, you know, six different hard drives and a monitor and um, headphone in and out, auxiliary in and out, excuse me, and an SD card reader. Um, Something like an 8-inch iPhone, you know, if Apple's not selling enough iPad minis, why not discontinue it and then add those functionality that functionality into a folding iPhone? Like, look at what they did with the iPod. Try to buy mm-hmm. an iPod nowadays because it's all iPhones and iPads. And no, I think you can buy an iPod Touch, but I'm not 100% certain on that. You can. Okay. You can. But like, yeah, still like, like take that functionality, put it into something better and then like, you know, read the, uh, read the, uh, the previous product, it's final rights and then just let it walk down the green mile. Well, Apple has a habit of killing its own products. That's why I said the green mile instead of putting it out to pasture. 
All right, I'm gonna I'm going to approach this from a different angle, and I want you guys to think about it like this. And it's gonna be more of a uh, more of a psychological angle as opposed to hardware. So I'm gonna do my best to try to explain what I'm trying to say. The best way I can explain it, and it just it just came to me too, is a video that I told uh, Brahm about, and it's called "What We Can Learn from Spaghetti Sauce." And have you seen that video, George? I uh, it's a TED Talk, right? It is. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's hedonic adaptation and the um, not the illusion of choice, but the paradox of choice. That's what it's called. And so, Malcolm Gladwell, if if you haven't seen it. On YouTube, it's phenomenal. Uh, it's not the best quality because it was filmed a while ago, but the message is great. But I want to start off by saying Apple comes to the table typically uh, with things like this, not first, but they try to be best, and that's fine. But a lot of what Apple does and what I think people are short-sighted about sometimes is using a new device to do things they do on their current device, as opposed to presenting a new way to do things on a new device. And what I mean by that is, did you consider working almost all the time on an iPad five years ago? I wasn't. I, I looked at it and I said, are you kidding me? It doesn't have the horsepower, it doesn't have the I.O., and it doesn't have the uh, the grunt that you need when you're exporting full 4K video. That was what I said. And then now, I was editing a video recently in LumaFusion, and on my phone, I'm like, this is something I can actually use. I remember giving Brahm a call back in January after buying LumaFusion because I was like, you know what? 30 bucks? Let me buy it. Let me take a look and see what it is. And I'm like, this actually can be used for professional work. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it kind of like opened the floodgates for me. Now let's rewind. Let's say that you used uh, an iPad five years ago. And instead of the hardware being what it was five years ago, let's say you had a, 20, a 2020 iPad in 2015, but you didn't have apps like LumaFusion. Would you see the benefit of it? Absolutely I not. <laughs> I would see that it had the horses, but it didn't have anything to pull. Great, great analogy. And so, sometimes I think people focus a lot on the horse and not what it's pulling. Yes. Or if there's even something to pull. Or if they even know what they want the horse to pull. And so, this video that goes into the TED Talk... It talks about how they only had like one kind of spaghetti sauce before and then they ended up coming out and they, they did research in a new way and found out that 30% of Americans liked the you know spaghetti sauce that wasn't even being made and the other 30% same type of thing in a different flavor. And so even though 100% of Americans were only eating that one type of spaghetti sauce before, once the new notion... I mean, it was still it was still sauce in a jar, right? And the jar might have been big, but the flavor changed, and the way that they experienced the sauce changed. And so, I think we have to consider how our experiences will change with these devices and what they can do. And sometimes we see them evolve, even with current generation. Or you know, you say you have something from 
2018 and an update comes out and all of a sudden it's like new again. It's like when uh, Jabba added ANC to their 75T earbuds like a year and a half after they made them. It's like a secret firmware update that all of a sudden you had a new feature, right? But do you see the point I'm trying to, to make is this concept is foreign to us right Definitely. now because we don't have the workflow, the scenario to give us the reason why we would want an 8-inch foldable. And I would dare say the same thing about the iPad mini is just because they're not selling a lot of iPad minis right now doesn't mean that they wouldn't sell a lot of these 8-inch foldable iPhones, not just in the fact of the hardware but or even the size of, of the device, but the fact that, okay, developers probably will make an assumption that they will sell more of these, and so they're going to invest their time into showing you what you can do on this that you never even thought you could do on the iPad mini. Make sense? That's that's funny because it, it just to speak to what you're trying to say, Will, if you take a look at just the iPad in general and its role as Apple called it a, a post-PC device, a blockbuster device, you take a look at the things we were doing with the first iPad, watching movies, uh, reading email. Those are things that we used to do we used, with our computer. We thought that's a computer task. That's a laptop task. That's an iMac task. You know, whatever it may be, we associated that with computers. And then this tablet comes along, and all of a sudden we're doing all those tasks on a tablet. A decade down the line, tasks that we used to reserve like video editing on our MacBooks, we're now doing on iPads. Same thing with photo editing, things like that. So it really speaks to what you were saying about you can have the, the strongest horses, the most resilient horses, but if you don't know what you're pooling, and let, you let's really even can't just comment. say, you know, the concept, George, even as you're getting at, I totally understand and I align with what you're saying as someone who is a, uh, I wouldn't say myself a creative professional, but a definitely a prosumer of creative stuff. And so like in this moment right now in 2021, uh, I do see the benefits and the value in like a 27 inch monitor as opposed to a 12 inch or a 13 inch monitor. But I also would have never considered the fact that my 11 inch iPad that I have currently would have ever let me feel like it was worthy of being a, a photo editing device before the iPad even itself existed. I might have thought to myself, oh, well, it doesn't have enough buttons, or how am I going to do this without a mouse, right? Or, th you know, same kind of concept of, like, taking something that you that's an old interaction and trying to put it with a new yes. concept. It's almost like it's almost like you have two different languages and the laws um, like in my I'm trilingual. So the laws that govern one language are very like Arabic, for example, are very different from the laws that govern English and Spanish. So, you know, one reads left to right. One reads right to left. One, uh, the letters stay the same depending on where you, it doesn't matter where you put them in the word. The other one, the letters completely shift depending on where you put them in the word. Um, but just because one is different from the other doesn't mean that it is, um, one language is inherently better. So uh, you could, that could almost be attributed to the design language and the user and the, the user experience language of, um, iPads using them as a professional tool. 
Um, I got to tell you, again, using LumaFusion, using, um, using Filmic Pro, using... There's a lot of other apps. I'm just blanking on the top of my head right now. Um, uh, uh, Affinity. Affinity, the, the Photoshop mm-hmm. killer. Um, Affinity Photo, yeah. Affinity Photo is absolutely fantastic. I have replaced that as my daily driver um, deep image editing tool compared to Photoshop. Like I only go into Photoshop maybe once every two or three months just because one of my colleagues hasn't switched over to Affinity Photo yet, which is insane. Um, And the, you know, all of that stuff can be done on an iPad. I don't have an iPad right now that is functioning. I have an iPad Air from 2015 that is dead. I think it has a busted digitizer and I think I might be able to fix it. But the fact that if it was still kicking, I could still be using that professional stuff. And even now, um, the M1 is essentially what an A, what is it? It's like an A14X, quote unquote, which what it should have been like in the the the, the part name number. And mm-hmm. it's an i it's an iPad chip. It's an iPad chip in a laptop, and it's still able to perform that kind of you know that well. I don't see, <laughs> man. This is going to be a really good cre- – I'm, I'm really excited for the next five, ten years of, of creativity. Final Cut Pro made it possible in 2011 to edit professional-grade video on a laptop. I'm really excited to see what's possible now on the iPad and the iPhone. I don't know what sub, what what made us venture off onto this road or something like that, but like <laughs> this was a really good tangent. I'm really glad we went on it. Yes. Again, this episode is brought to you by Paperlike. Transform your Apple Pencil into a true writing instrument and your iPad into the best canvas you've ever used. Get your Paperlike today at http colon forward slash paper dot me forward slash appleosophy. Pick up one for yourself. You have to really use this to see how amazing it is. Again, I'm absolutely in love with mine, and it's a privilege to be able to promote Paperlike here on the show. Now, Will, I, I hear you got an interesting story for us on the accessibility front relating to Apple TV. You want to tell us more? I do. And this is exciting because I came across this tweet. And this is this is one of the uh, – we were having a, a very friendly discussion with one of our colleagues about Twitter clients earlier this week. <laughs> and um, one of the, the benefits I, I was saying to the, uh, to the native client that Twitter makes themselves is that they show you tweets that are either liked by other people or that are not necessarily people you follow. Right. Mm -hmm. I think this was the case for this particular tweet and somehow or another it landed in my timeline and it made me realize something that I didn't even catch or have heard anybody else talk about with the new Apple TV. And that is something that he is calling audio sharing. And uh, so in this in this tweet, I believe it's DC fifty one. Let me see what his actual like handle is. R font cub. So, sorry if I'm butchering that, but apparently he's hearing impaired. I'm also hearing impaired. <laughs> I'm funny enough going through a frustrating incident right now with one of my, and soon probably to be both of my uh, hearing oh. aids, and uh, have come a long way. I've been wearing them for twenty five plus years. And only my last two, including this one, have had rechargeable batteries. And so while that is great, eventually batteries start to die after enough cycles. And I've had these for probably two years. And anyway, the the right one is starting to die way too soon. 
And point oh, is, no. sometimes at night, if you know, if I've gotten up at a normal time that morning, by the time night rolls around, uh, we're going to watch TV. I probably have to watch it like with one hearing aid out, right? So what this feature yeah. does is it doesn't just allow you to stream into a, a, a headset, or, you know, Bluetooth headset, set AirPods or whatever. It allows you to do that as well as continue to play through speakers in the rest of the room. So it's not an all or nothing thing anymore. Huge for people either that don't have hearing aids, can't afford hearing aids, don't want hearing aids, but they they have a, a, a pair of headphones that would pair with the Apple TV, whether it be yeah. Apple branded or not. This is a big boon for those people because, you know, like me, I don't live with anybody else that has hearing issues. And sometimes, you know, my wife will yell at me that I have things up too loud if I'm trying to listen to something and, you know, whatever. But I but think that's it's really exciting. cool because the idea that it's audio sharing, you can be in a room with other people and be watching something on your television, on the Apple TV, and not have to crank up the TV so loud so that you can hear it because you're streaming through your your hearing aids mm-hmm. without routing all of the audio to just your hearing aids. Mm-hmm. So the TV speakers are on and your hearing aids are wired in with no delay. You guys are just sharing audio. And it could be louder just in your ears, but but be normal on the speakers at a normal audio level for everybody else. That's kind of cool. Exactly. And uh, uh, as long as there's no latency, which I would imagine they've worked on this, if, if, if it's an official feature like it's being touted by this person, they've worked on the latency. And obviously, you don't want to hear echo if you can pick mm-hmm. up a little bit of what's happening on the outside. Um, it's like hair, headphones have now or earbuds. Passive modes, mm-hmm. you pop it in passive mode and be able to hear what you're list- wanting to listen to in the volume you want, as well as hear like your spouse or your your friend or whatever, whoever's in there with you um, as at the same time. And so you don't have to like completely cut yourself off yeah. from the rest of the room while you listen. That's very cool. A way to end the story on an, on an interesting note, Will. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us in unwrapping the tech of today. I want to zero in on George first. George, where can the people find you? On Earth. Uh, They can find me. Well, for the time being. Yeah, for the time being on Earth. uh, I haven't haven't procured enough resources to launch myself to Mars or the moon or possibly even the asteroid belt at this point. But if they want to find me digitally and if they want to find me on social media, they can look at they can look me up at GW Photograph E. Uh, that's going to be my Instagram. If they want to check out my business work or potentially hire me over the summer months, uh, that would be at victorycinemas.com. They can see my entire portfolio. I am actually going to be documenting my entire backup process and how I'm going to be implementing a much more sound uh, backup solution. So, Well, guys, make sure to follow George and follow his process there. He'll be sharing his journey every step of the way. Will... My new co-host, Will. Where can you, where can the people find you, Will? Honestly, I can proudly say that you can find me on the Appleosophy website now. Uh, all of my it, exactly all of my social media links are on there. So just look for a story that says by Will Sigmund, or I think it's like Appleosophy.com forward slash authors forward slash 
Will Sigmund, all one word. Uh, but if, if not there, WSIG on Twitter and IG. Awesome. And the easiest way you guys can find me, drop in, say hi, is on Twitter, at Bromshank. That's at B-R-A-H-M-S-H-A-N-K. Drop in on Twitter and say hi. Send in some of your questions. Maybe we'll answer them on next week's show. We'll do a Q&A segment. Again, thank you for unwrapping the tech of today with us, and we'll see you again next week.